You are listening to The Benchcast with your host, the man whose business is benching, Coach Ben. What's up, guys? Coach Ben here, and you are listening to The Benchcast, the number one podcast if you want to increase your bench press. In today's episode, I wanted to just kind of come on here and share my thoughts with what's been going on with USAPL and all the changes within the Fed and their uh, expulsion or suspension, rather, from the IPF. Uh, I kind of wanted to weigh in on it all, so I'm just going to have an episode here again. Guys, just me sharing my thoughts, shooting the shit with you. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's a hot topic right now, you know, everything that's been going on with them. And, uh, you know, I'm only covering this because this is a federation in which uh, I do have athletes that compete, but my I myself am now going to be competing with them, uh, USAPL. So uh, I figured I would jump on here and just weigh in on the, uh, on the topic uh, and just share uh, what I think about it. So... In regards to that, uh, in regards to the whole IPF suspension thing, so if you haven't been following, uh, from what I gather, USAPL has been suspended from the IPF. I'm not sure if that's indefinitely or just on a year's time, but it already looks like there's a new affiliate, which to me is super fishy, uh, super not not normal. Uh, and I'll kind of get to that. But um, So it sounds like USAPL, the reason being they're suspended, is because essentially they're drug testing too much. Uh, so, I mean, for a drug tested Fed, I mean, I don't see how that can be a problem. You know, so um, that it really doesn't make too much sense to me. I mean, if you look at it, uh, Johnny Candido put out a great video in which he said IPF 45% of the nations competing with IPF uh, don't drug test. So, to be a federation that um, supposedly is drug tested and then not even half the nations are drug tested. Um, I mean, that don't make no sense to me. So, uh, can't really wrap my head around why you would suspend USAPL for drug testing too much. Um, I'm not sure if there's something deeper there in terms of money, um, but, you know, that in general, the whole thing just doesn't make sense to me. And to see how there's a new federation already within weeks of this announcement um, that this powerlifting America or powerlifting USA is going to be coming in and being the new IPF affiliate. And supposedly, whoever started this federation uh, previously worked with USAPL. Um, the whole thing, super fishy to me. I don't know what, what the gig is. I don't know what's up. But, um, you know, whole whole idea of it makes no sense to me. And I'm sure it doesn't make sense to many others. Um, you know, so I think it's pretty dumb. <laughs> you know, I think it's pretty dumb. Um, yeah, I did hope to, uh, you know, be able to one day reach those levels of international competition. And it seems like within uh, America, within the U.S., that the major one of the major routes to international competition now is USPA with the IPL. All right, uh, so there's there's now powerlifting 
USA, I suppose, that is going to be an affiliate for an IPF, so you could compete internationally through them. Uh, they literally, I don't even think, put on a meet yet, so the whole thing's super fishy and super dumb, in my opinion. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, I, the U.S. Virgin Islands deal, I know a lot of athletes competing with them, too. And, you know, I don't know what goes into being an IPF affiliate and that whole deal and, you know, the money involved in that. But uh, the whole thing just seems weird to me. And uh, so, you know, so be it now USAPL is not part of the IPF. They're not going to have that international type of competition that you can lead into. But they've been doing some other things in which... I love to see and I really love to see in general across all of powerlifting um, evolving having these money meets and I'm seeing more and more of them and I'll kind of get into that but just to weigh in on the whole IPF suspension of USAPL I think the whole thing's pretty dumb uh, you know it is what it is and you know I did join the Fed in hopes that I mean, that was part of it, right? I wanted to eventually be able to progress up to bigger competition internationally. Um, I thought that was cool, right? I mean, there's a lot of other factors that led me to wanting to compete with USAPL. Um, but, you know, that was that was one of them. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a big, not even close to the biggest driving factors, but, um, you know, that was one of them. And, uh, you know, to see that they are suspended now, you know, it doesn't really change what I plan to do. Um, and, you know, to kind of sit back and watch all this unfold as I'm prepping for my first meet with USAPL. So I, I was actually dieting down to meet the 105 kilo class, which would be 231 pounds. I was sitting around 242. Wanted to drop the weight anyway, but, you know, all this time, I'm spending all this time really dieting hard, making sure I'm getting my weight down. The news comes out that they're changing weight classes as a result of being away from the IPF. Now they're not going to use their weight class system. They're going to go back to the traditional powerlifting weight class system, which I think is awesome because it's pretty universal all the way around. Uh, I thought the other weight classes were kind of weird, uh, you know, to have to kind of fit into those categories. And it, in general, I just I'm a fan of the traditional powerlifting classes anyway. Uh, I know some people, uh, you know, they might have been hunging out in those old weight classes. Now they have to kind of make up their mind if they're going up or down. Some are already kind of close. So uh, people are going to have to be, you know, either dieting or, uh, you know, gaining some weight here now. But I did diet down to 232-ish I was at. And that news comes out. So I'm like, all right, well, it's, it, these weight classes are going to be changing anyway. So it's kind of for not. Uh so I'm going to focus on just maintaining. Uh, I did have a little bit, a little bit left to lose, but I'm just going to focus on maintaining. I actually weighed in at meet 233, uh, and then I'm going to plan to diet down to the 100 kilo class, which would be 220 pound class. So I will be getting down to that next. But uh, yeah, all this was happening as I was doing all this prep for this meet. The other thing is equipment. They now allow all manufacturing equipment. Now, I think that's awesome. So from what I'm gathering now, I'm seeing USAPL do all this awesome stuff, allowing these equipment manufacturers in, whereas before it was highly select. You know, it was in the rules book. You know, you had certain 
brands that you could use and that's it and that's mostly because of the ties into the ipf because now obviously them being away they've allowed all equipment manufacturers in which is the way it should be you know it shouldn't be on a small manufacturing company to have to pay this exorbitant amount of money to have their equipment used i mean the point of entry for an equipment manufacturer to get in is you know pretty much you have to have some kind of huge backing uh, you really have to have money to spend to be able to get your equipment used and you know ultimately is it really going to pay off i don't know I'm, you're talking uh, i think potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars really to have your equipment used prior but now seeing all equipment being used for usapl i think it's awesome i think it's super exciting because before you might have only seen Inzer bench shirts, you might have only seen Titan bench shirts, but now are we gonna see Overkill bench shirts? Are we gonna see some of the other stuff come in? I don't think we're we're never gonna see the banded shirts for a long time in the Fed. Um, you know, it's just single ply, which I'm a fan of myself too. Another part of why I wanted to compete with the Fed, just being single ply, that was really someone I want to transition my training to just so I don't have to have the hands around me. I don't have to rely on a monolith. I want to get good at walking out. Uh, you know, a lot of those factors, I just want to be a little bit more bare bones with the operation. Um, so I was interested in that. But it's going to be cool now to see what kind of equipment brands come in like what we're going to see people using like even myself i am debating getting an overkill single ply shirt uh, which i wouldn't have before because it wasn't allowed but now it's going to be cool to see what happens uh, i was able to use my equipment you know i had previously purchased inzer gear uh, because that was what was allowed so i got uh, knee wraps i got wrist wraps but uh, now i was able to use my own equipment my big bench is branded equipment, so my wrist straps, which um, I would use anyway because they're my wrist straps. I'm calling me biased, but I think they're really freaking great wrist straps. Uh, you can go on bigbenches.com, shameless plug there, get yourself a pair of the big bench 36-inch wraps. That's what I use in my training and competing uh, for the past three years, four years that we've had them out. Um, I think they're top-notch wraps. I was able to use them, so... Uh, that was fantastic. I was able to wear my own singlet, which I think was awesome because I didn't feel like wearing one of those little tight Inzer singlets. You guys know what I'm talking about. Those things ride up on you, don't they? I mean, there's, those, uh, those, those legs cut off soon. Feels like I'm wearing a little Daisy Duke stuff. But uh, anyways, it was awesome. I was able to use my equipment. And I think it's such a welcoming change um, to be able to have all this different equipment manufacturers now in the fed i think that's a really awesome change and one that i'm glad to see they implemented right away immediately um, so i was able to take advantage of that too so that was fantastic i think that's a great step in the right direction and uh, that's really how it should be you know there's a lot of manufacturers out there of good equipment and shouldn't have to be paying hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or fees like that to have your equipment used i know uspa charges a fee it's not anywhere close to that amount i think it's a few hundred um but still um and i think i'm not sure if that's per piece of equipment or just in general to have your brand uh, i don't want to speak on that because i'm not sure but um 
you know, I would like to just see that done away with and just allow the lifters to have their choice as long as it meets specifications. You know, I think that's what's fair. I think that's awesome to allow more companies to come in, be a player in the space, and have those athletes choose what equipment they want to use. You know, as long as it meets specifications. So I think that's a welcoming change. I think the weight class change is awesome going forward. Starting in 2022, that is when the weight classes are going to switch over to traditional weight classes. Um, there's a big push right now for having women's weight classes match that of the men's. I'm all for that as well. Um, I'm all for broadening that, and I do think it is warranted. Um, I do think uh, that women should have similar classes to the men. So that being said, I would like to see them expand women's classes a little bit. Uh, that would be awesome. But I am a fan that they are going back to the traditional weight classes. So I uh, just wanted to weigh in on all those changes I'm seeing happen now. Uh, I'm a big fan, so I'll get into what's going on with them in terms of the Pro Series. So the Pro Series, now that they don't have this the IPF affiliate, there's no international competition, I'm a big fan of what they're doing with the Pro Series. Okay, yeah, you know, there's no international meets, travel, and that big lead up in the competition like previous, but... What they're doing, taking the money that they would have spent um, affiliating with the IPF and now positioning that money towards the lifters. And we're talking uh, we're talking quarter of a million dollars they got on the line in the Pro Series events this year. And that's expected to expand. I love to see that. I love the whole idea of the Pro Series. Um, I do think that I believe there's six events this year. I think maybe five going forward. I think there's a bit more this year because the Virginia Pro counts as the first one. Um, and the whole idea is that there's these pro meets and you're earning points. So it's like a circuit. Now, I guess kind of how, I'm not a NASCAR fan, but I guess kind of how that works, right? Like you earn points as you go throughout the season at these events. So like first place, 50 points. Second place, 45 points. You kind of get the idea there. So you're earning these points from these events, but there's like five events, six, five events. I mean, it forces you to compete more often, I think more often than a lifter traditionally competes, which is probably two, three times a year. So you are asked to stay peaked for a longer period of time, which will be interesting to see if any lifters really change their training style uh, in order to accommodate this. I'm sure some lifters, such as Ashton there, uh, he's just cut so far above everyone else, which he could probably just walk into a meet and treat it as a tune-up meet and still have a high placing. So I'm sure some lifters will consider themselves kind of in a tune-up mode and not a, a peaked mode because ultimately that lead-up is to that Arnold Pro Series. I mean, that Arnold uh, event, I guess they're going to hold it from Arnold to Arnold as kind of the competitive year, the competitive season. Uh, so... I am interested to see if lifters stick to their normal tune of training and peak for certain meets, like really give their all to certain meets, or they change up their training and do more of like uh, a conjugate style, if you will, right? Where you're, the idea is that you're staying peaked at all times, pretty much. Like you could have your best performance at all times because you're always handling heavy weights. 
So it'll be interesting there. It's kind of like high school powerlifting where, uh, yeah, I'm not sure of the frequency of the meets. I assume there's one every month, though. I believe there's one every month in their competitive season. So, and I may be wrong on that, but it's what do you do in that time you have to train for these competitive events happening so soon? You know, do you peak certain lifters at certain times? Uh, do you just try to stay peak throughout? I mean, it's hard to have your best performance ever week after week, month after month like that, right? You're only going to be at your peak strength for a certain amount of time during the year traditionally. So I am excited to see, interested to see how lifters may influence their training to accommodate all these different pro series events. You know, because obviously you want to place well at all of them, but can you stay at your best for all these meets? So that's just something that I'm that's going through my head. You know how lifters going to um, accommodate to that. But to get into these pro series events, you need to have a pro card. I love how USAPL is instituting a pro card. I think it's a really cool way to uh, uh, give lifters incentive, right? To want to earn your pro card. And it's not an easy thing. So it's not like a gimme giveaway type deal. It, it, you know, it has to be earned. And uh, I really love the idea. Um, I think that's awesome. You see that in other types of uh, federations. You see that in like bodybuilding stuff when someone earns their pro card. There's a lot of prestige around that. You know, people work a long time to earn a pro card. So I love how they're instituting that idea within the Fed. Um, it gives you something to work towards. And I'm not sure exactly how they earn. I believe best lifter at Arnold gets a pro card. Uh, and then at Nationals, obviously, is a huge opportunity to earn pro cards. So those two events. Um, so Nationals being the big one in which I believe lifters can earn pro cards coming in like top three, top two. Um, and it's their card until someone really kind of takes it away. Uh, so... I love that idea. I love that it's challenging to get. I love that that now allows you to go in and compete at Pro Series events uh, to potentially earn money. And that's really what I wanted to get down to here. Quarter of a million dollars on the line with potentially more in the future years. Some events you've seen asked to just get uh, 10000 10 grand last meet. All right. It is awesome to see. With the potential that he would even earn more, you know, throughout this pro series, winning event after event, you know, with money on the line, um, really awesome to see because that's a huge step in the right direction, in my opinion, for powerlifting, just to see more and more of these money meets. You know, not even too long ago, I used to have to make bets with buddies to have any kind of money on the line in a meet, right? You weren't getting any kind of kickback, and it's a lot. It's You got travel fees, your equipment, all of this kind of goes into it. Um, so, I mean, you're spending a lot prepping for a meet, going to a meet, hotels, travel, like I mentioned. Um, so, I mean, a lot goes into it in, in terms of you're not getting anything out of this. This is a hobby in which you put a lot into, you don't get a lot out. So, the potential there for certain athletes, not every athlete, but certain athletes, you know, to be able to work hard enough to get to that level, I'll just have that potential there and then actually get something back for it. You know, some incentive to actually train like you're a professional athlete. Um, you know, I think that is a huge step in the right direction. And, and you kind of been seeing more of that throughout the years. At least that's what 
I've been gathering throughout the years, you never saw any of these money meets. And now a lot are popping up, not just in the USAPL, but just in, in federations in general. It's meet directors wanting to put more money back towards the lifters. You see that becoming a more common theme. Uh, I think it's awesome. I think it's a, a great thing, you know, even if it's a not a ton of amount, you know, compared to other types of sports and whatnot, it gives you something, it gives you some incentive, if anything, you win enough, maybe you cover your travel and fees and stuff for a, for a training cycle, you know, to at least be able to fight for something that has that monetary value, um, I think that's really cool and an awesome step in the right direction, and I hope to see that continue, because that's been the trend. I'm just seeing more and more money being put back towards the lifters as the years go on. I'm seeing more and more, you know, awesome productions, you know, great production value in meets. You look at this previous uh, USAPL Virginia Pro. I mean, what a meet a production that was. A uh, lot goes into it. A lot of people go into, like, making that production what it is. Commentary, you know, behind-the-scenes type things. Um but you're seeing like these really over-the-top meets in production, and I, I love seeing that. I love making it a show. I love making it something that people could get invested in and people could get around. Making it a viewership sport. I think we have to do a better job of telling more stories. You know, Ultimately, the only reason you care about seeing someone is because you know their story. You know their background. If you train with them personally, you know what they've been through. You know the hard work they've put in. Uh, if you don't know them personally, unless there's a story built around them, I mean, you, it's hard to rally behind someone because you don't know their story. So any great production, you watch, you know, I'm a fan of the Titan Games on NBC with The Rock, the Titan Games. You, he tells the backstory. That backstory of each athlete is told, so you rally behind them. Like, you can start to pick your favorites. You're like, I relate to that, and you get behind that individual. And that's what we need a powerlifter. We need a, that good production value. We need that, that live stream. We need that uh, notoriety, like ESPN picking up some things prior year. Um, you know, so uh, that's a huge step in the right direction. Uh, and we need that to tell those stories. You know, like ESPN covered Julius Maddox's uh, bench press at Wrigley Field there. That's big time. That was on the main ESPN deal. So to see that, huge step in the right direction. Uh, so we need to have that production value. We need to tell stories. We need to, you know, have that, that following. Like people have to be able to get behind you. Uh, and to see more and more money being put on the line. It's feeling like we're going somewhere good. Like I'm feeling like 10 years from now. There's going to be a lot of, there's going to be more lifters and uh, into powerlifting. I feel like the sport will just continue to grow, first off, which is awesome to see. Um, I think there'll be bigger payouts. So you'll actually, at a high level, you'll actually have an opportunity to make almost like a decent living with winnings from powerlifting. Um, you know, nothing crazy, but something that, easily supplements all your training travel all of that so it becomes a little bit more than just a hobby like it becomes a secondary income type of situation which i think is awesome for putting your body on the line and everything goes into training like to compete at a high level you need to treat it like a job you know you really do so you know that's that's what happens in pro sports i mean at the highest level you're getting paid to do what you do 
And I think lifting should be no different. So I think in 10 years, we're going to be very close to that um, if everything continues to trend this this fashion. Um, and I love to see just it being covered more. Um, and the production value we're seeing out of these meats, I mean, it looks awesome. I think people will start to buy into it. Uh, powerlifting at its roots is boring to watch. It just is. It's three lifts. Um, it's three lifts, but... It's the stories that you can tell. All right. When you get some close competition, it can get exciting, you know, especially as a coach. And I've been in situations where I'm coaching athletes at meet and we are getting really close to the competition. You know, it, it gets intense. And if you're watching, I mean, that's relating it to like a fourth quarter comeback in a football game. I mean, you could really rally behind someone's last deadlift. I mean, there's a lot shifting going on there. Um, and if you can start to understand why people are taking the attempts and the strategy behind it, and they can display that through the, the telecast, you know, you could tell some really good stories there. And I think it would really intrigue people. So everything's kind of trending in the right direction. I love what USAPL is doing. This is some huge money that they're putting on the line throughout the year. Um, so I'm, I love seeing that. And, you know, it, honestly, what it feels like, it feels like America is breaking away from the evil empire. That's kind of, I'm rallying behind it. I'm digging it. I'm digging the vibes. You know, I, IPF, I've, as a drug tested federation, and not even half the countries are drug tested. Um, you know, and to see the powerlifting America or USA come in right after USAPL, uh, the whole thing just seems super fishy to me. And then seeing all the awesome stuff they're doing now without having IPF restrictions. That's how it feels to me. I'm digging the whole USA powerlift is breaking off from uh, the evil empire. And now we have freedom again. You know, I'm digging those vibes. I'm into it. Uh, so I'm excited to continue to compete with USAPL. Uh, if you listen to my previous meet, meet recap, um, yeah, I was able to get a total in. You know, it was nothing crazy. It was nothing close to PR standards all time, but um, it's something to build off of. And that was really the goal is all these lifts would have been doable, and I'm excited to build off that. And um, really, ultimately, I want to build into Nationals 2023. I can't make this year's Nationals, but next year I really want to make a splash there have an opportunity to win a pro card and compete in some of these pro series which are awesome productions so that's the goal i wanted to weigh in and just share my thoughts on everything that's been going on um you know if you guys are interested i'm sure you've already listened you've, you've joined me through this podcast if you guys weren't interested you probably didn't even click on the podcast so i appreciate you tuning in um again you know if you enjoy these episodes where I'm just kind of shooting the shit on certain things and sharing my training or sharing my thoughts. Uh, let me know if you're digging that, uh, and I'll continue to do them. A little bit more long form, just me kind of rambling on, but, you know, maybe it gives you guys something to listen to on a longer commute to work or something. But anyways, I uh, appreciate everyone tuning in. Again, these podcasts are always free. I enjoy doing them, but if you get value out of them, uh, could you please, please just share with a friend, share to your Instagram stories, you know, wherever it can kind of get word out that helps us just influence more athletes and, and uh, grow the podcast. So I appreciate all y'all tuning in and I will talk to y'all next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give it a thumbs up and share. 
If you want more information on how to transform your bench press, consider checking out the Better Benching Academy on BigBenches.com. This is the ultimate resource for building your bench. Head on over to BigBenches.com to see how you can get started today.